name of this sharing is New Doctrine. Oh, dear. As long as it isn't a different doctrine. Not a different doctrine, just a fresh, new. vibrant, new doctrine. So we're going to get right into it. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered into the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. So the norm in a synagogue sharing at this point in time uh, was for whoever was doing the reading or the exposition to basically cite authorities. They would read the scripture and they'd say, well, according to Rabbi so-and-so, and and according to Rabbi so-and-so, this is how we behave. And Jesus didn't do that. Sometimes when you read it, it's not even like he's giving references. He just speaks, and it is so, right? And you're like, whoa, who is this kid? The Word. The Word. Right. He drops the Word. He's the mic drop par excellence. The Lord God Almighty. Amen. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what do we have to do with us? What do, we ha- what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So, I mean, we're not... Is he saying that with derision? We're not, no. We're, but we're not deep in the gospel. And, and already we're having a confrontation between Jesus and the demonic. And I, I love Merrill F. Unger's comment on this, is that it's no wonder that when full light shows up, darkness is exposed. It's like, they, it's just... <laughs> it's just got to come out of the woodwork. But even in this one verse, this verse 24, we learn a boatload about evil spirits, about demons, okay? So, let's just look at the character of a demon. They defile. Demons are defiling. Jesus The scripture says unclean spirit. It's unclean, right? So they, you know. Demons like to showboat. And, you know, if they can yell, get rowdy, talk out of turn, disrupt, draw attention to themselves, this is no wonder because, I mean, their king is the king of what? Pride. Pride. Look at me, you know. And so... He cries out. So don't, when you get into situations when you are doing deliverance, don't let them f- fool you, distract you, um, any of it. Because they'll, they'll try a whole bunch of just, and Jesus would have none of it. Just none of it. Demons reject Jesus. He says, what have you to do with us? Jesus. They're accusative. He says, have you come to destroy us? Now, if you read similar passages, like in Matthew 8 and, and Mark 5, Matthew 8, 29 and Mark 5, 7, the demon's asking, have you come, have you come to torment us before the time? Well, you're here unjustly. You have no right to be here. <laughs> That's another thing they like to say, you know. Um, are, are you here to torment us as if that's unfair? I mean, they, they're a pestilence. They're torturers. They're, 
Tormentors. Tormentors. Yeah. <laughs> so, tormenting us, but we're not supposed to torment them. Uh, right, right. You know, it's like, oh, that's not fair. How, can, how dare you? It's like a, well, I wasn't going to say like a Palestinian bomb thrower, but. <laughs> did I just liberal. say? Or you did. You did. I'm sorry? Or a woke liberal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or something like that. Right, right. Demons brag about their spiritual knowledge. They, they like to brag about what they know. I know who you are. I know who you are. They might try this when you're doing deliverance. Oh, who are you? I know what you've done. Mm-hmm. And, and there they are, being accusative. And, and, or, I could tell you things you don't know. Okay? So, in one verse of Scripture, you get a whole bunch of practical information. This was what I just put out on this slide, quite frankly, and I've done a lot of teaching on the evil spirit realm and all that kind of stuff. This right here, worth more than, than however many hours I ever taught on Nephilim and fallen angels and the origin of the demonic and all that. And quite frankly, the reason why is, is because Scripture is not ironclad with regard to the origin of all evil spirits. We know about fallen angels. We're not so sure about demons, okay? We all have our theories. My particular one, uh, and I'm not the only one, I happen to think that they are the departed spirits of the dead Nephilim. The demons are. I think they're different than fallen angels. But it doesn't matter. These characteristics, you can ascribe them to any evil spirit. They're defiling. They like to show off. They reject Jesus. They're accusative. And they brag about their spiritual knowledge. This is their character. They're prideful. They're show-offs. They're, they're um, parasites. And uh, this, this phrase, I know who you are, you know, Paul confronts this, uh, this woman. Now, he's, he's ministering in this town, and this woman's falling around, and she is saying, Oh, these people show us the way of the one true God. And, and it's bothering Paul. And finally he turns around and she has a, 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 a demon of Python, a divination spirit. But the Greek is Python. It ties her to um, the, the oracle, um, forget her name, anyhow, where they used to stick the, the, the ladies where the fumes were coming up from the ground and they just get all wasted and then, you know, spout prophecies, right? Um, is that Daphne? Anyhow, doesn't matter. She was a fortune teller, right? And uh, in, in Acts 19.15, the seven sons of Sceva, who, now they're practicing exorcism more like people practice exorcism when Jesus was walking the earth. They're like, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So we've got a magic name we're going to use, and, and we're telling you now, since we now have the magic word, you have to obey us. And this demon says, I know Paul and I know Jesus. Who are you? You know, but there again, this is, he could have just beat him up. You see the showboating? Hey, Bell. So this, 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 this guy that was demon, demonized could have just beat these seven guys up. But no, he's got he's to like, you know, talk trash and show spiritual knowledge and, and put someone down. And anyhow. Jesus has authority 
over them to determine their destiny. And ultimately, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they realize, they know who he is. They know who he is. The power that he can Yeah, have, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Greek term, <clears throat> I do believe the Greek term used in Acts 19.5 for, you know, Jesus I know and Paul I know is, is gnosko versus oida. Oida is like, I knew, you know, like I read it somewhere. Gnosko is like, like if, you know, oida would be like if I read about how to frame a house, and gnosko is if, if I framed the house. So in saying Paul I know and Jesus I know, it's like he'd tangled with those two before and gotten himself beat up. Um, but, again, slight conjecture. You meet any person with these kinds of characteristics, any human being with these kinds of characteristics that they're defiling um, completely showboating, they reject Jesus, they're accusative, they brag about what they know, you need to take a second look because if they're not demonized, they've got open doors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're waving a banner. They've got some issues. They've got some iniquity in their life and they make really, really poor mates and they make really, really poor friends. <laughs> they make great people to minister to and heal. Mm-hmm. Right? Um Verse 25, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. Now, you study the Gospels, and in particularly how Jesus deals with the demonic, this this is the standard operating procedure. Be quiet and get out. Or in my vernacular, shut up and leave. Okay? He doesn't put up with it. He doesn't put up with the showboating. He doesn't put up with all the conversation. I can't tell you how much I've read on deliverance that is exhausting to read about. That instead of making a program and making a training based upon this simple principle, be silent and come out, they have reams of counseling and, and sheets of different spirit names and questionnaires and... Say, let's play 20 questions. Oh, yeah, let's talk to a demon. Are you crazy? Testimony? Yes, sir. <clears throat> so the way I got saved was I, I, didn't, I, I went to Episcopal Church until I was about four or five years old, but I did not <coughs> grow up in the church. But I you was, were baptized. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, I, I'm, I, I apologize. I, that was an Episcopalian no, I joke. Was actually, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, right, right, but, uh, right. You know, so I grew up my whole life, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That was my life. Until I was about 23 years old, and then uh, somebody told me about Jesus. And then, uh, you know, he said, just whenever you're ready, just ask Jesus to come in your heart. Well, you can do what you want with that. But I did. I was laying there totally sober one night in my bed, 1.30 at night. And I'm like, I don't know if you're real, but if you're real and hell's real, I want to know because I don't want to go to hell. I said, but you got to give me something. So I said, Jesus come in my heart. And and right then a demon came out of my body. Um, it, I won't give you all the details of that right now, but I would sit there wrestling with this demon because I didn't know anything. But the point I want to make is um, after about an hour of this, um, the thought entered my mind, tell it to go to hell. <laughs> and I said, go to hell by the power of Jesus. And boom, boom. it was gone. I didn't know it was Jesus. <laughs> Uh-huh. Telling that thing to go to hell and G- by the power of Jesus, it was going like that. And I was like, 
So I want to I want to rewind the tape a little bit. Thought came into my mind. So remember that. Key phrase, didn't you? Because it was. That's all I knew. It was weird. Now reflect. Remember that a thought came in. We're gonna we're gonna come back to that. And I want you to understand the power of that. Okay. Um, Could it also be like when you asked Jesus to come in? That he displaced the demon, like the displacement theory. Mm-hmm. I do believe that. Yeah, 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 but then his light came in and it pushed that. And, and, and it was like it was like Jesus showing up in the synagogue. All of a sudden, this demon and, and, and Abel's like, "Hey, what are you doing, pal?" The weird thing was it was it was outside of my body because yeah. I could see it, and but it was clinging to me because I could literally feel it. Mm-hmm. And trying to hang on. We were like in this wrestling match, and it was terrifying. I don't. I didn't even have words for what the you call it atmosphere felt like but it was terrifying well I call it hell terror but um, it was a bad word but God won God won now remember I told you about showboating right so Jesus could you know this 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 person gets up and talks he's talking under the influence of a demon Jesus does not need demons to to give him testimony he doesn't need demonic testimony you know, he's quiet, right? And the unclean spirit convulsed him. Uh, you'll see um, phrases in the King James that are scary. Tore him, it'll say. And you get these, these images from, you know, the 1970s exorcist films of people <laughs> frothing at the mouth and puking green soup and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to show you this, and all it is is just a bit of intimidation. All it is is it's just a bit of showboating, Okay? convulsed him, and crying out with a loud voice, came out. It's a spirit. It's a breath. Oftentimes, their last way out is right across the vocal cords, and they don't like to leave. And so, again, they are mentioning protest. I like to think that getting cast out hurts them. I don't know. I don't have any verse for that. And he hurt the demon by casting him out. I have no verse for that. But I like the thought of it. They don't have their own estate, right? Correct. And they would rather not be... They would rather not... They would rather not... And and this is one of the reasons not to get too far afield on conjecture. Mm -hmm. But in... in, And now I'm forgetting whether it's 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians 5. But um, as opposed to the predominant popular Christian thought of... Glory being leaving this body mm-hmm. and glory being a disembodied spirit. Scripture says, oh dear God, how awful to be naked. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to be unclothed, but clothed. And if, if we happen to leave this tabernacle, God has a house for us up there so that we're not naked. Praise God. So there is something about the nature of our spirit that that requires is better off being housed than unhoused. It's unnatural. A human, a, a, a son of Adam is spirit, soul, and body. And, and any one of those parts on their own is not complete. And, and so um, angelic beings, fallen angels, though they can inhabit a man, aren't generally portrayed as disembodied. Demons are. Which, you know, begs the question, they had a body before. Anyhow, conjecture. 
Regardless, he says it, the demon's out, but the person he's ministering to is, is having a shaking fit. By the way, if you've heard of shakers and quakers, they blame that on the Holy Spirit, and it could have been. Um, but most of the shaking and quaking you see in the New Testament is demonic. I'm just putting it out there. I'm not making any kind of accusation. I'm just putting it out there. Reading the Bible is a lot better than watching TV. Um, and, <laughs> and so, um, if you didn't know, Shakers and Quakers were a charismatic group in early America, and one of the evidences of them being under the influence of the Spirit was that they would shake and quake. Okay? That's the name. Now, if you read histories about them, or if you go to Baptist church, the tongues thing and the Holy Spirit thing, not mentioned. Uh, can I tell a funny story about that? Sure. It's kind of brief. My husband was diagnosed with Parkinson's, right? And we went to Pentecost churches. Boy, that man was blessed. <laughs> we up there, you know, doing his physical shaking and everything. Oh, that was... Oh, he's on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. It was funny. It was funny. <laughs> that is funny, yeah. No two ways about it. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so this person's crying out. And, 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 and shake. And, and look, you know, um, I, I can't say that I've witnessed, um, I think probably the wildest thing I've witnessed during the deliverance session was in, in Africa, and the gal that we were ministering to um, had fallen on the floor. She, I don't know if she was writhing or not. I just know that in the spirit, I, I sensed the need to dance, and what I saw was me just dancing around her, crushing serpents as they came out of her. Um, you know, but I've had people just have a complete panic attack. Uh, you know, look, they're showboats. Tell them to be quiet and get out. You read the New Testament, and, and again, this is not a... I understand the need for, for Christian counseling. I understand the need for a deeper work. But, but really, the New Testament's about get a Savior and get over it. You know, to be made whole. There's not a whole long list of, you know, I think your great-great-granddaddy must have been an Amazon and had a human sacrifice, so you better go down to the river and anoint it and be free. Get out of my face. Tell it to be gone. It's simple. It's the gospel. It's Christ. He overcame. He's the victor. I would say one comment on that is, if you have a person who is lacking in their own Capacity, right? And you take authority over it and you pass it out, you free the person. But sometimes you have people who are posting something and and they have a seemingly normal life, they may not know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't manifest until you really begin to, to, to probe to press on it. Um, you begin to pray with them and all of a sudden you person and we and we've known this to happen. This person who is a professed Christian, all of a sudden, you know, their voice drops an octave and gets kind of growly. So what do you what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And you talk about um, uh, showboating. We used to call it the devil overplayed his hand. Mm-hmm. It's basically, you know, in America, you don't get a lot of that manifestation stuff. But if you if you start pressing to, we used to say, well, the devil overplayed his hand. And you can take authority. The problem is, is when you have somebody who kind of is, let's say they're in denial or unaware that they've got, that they're demonized. And I don't get into the whole, we've talked about the doctrine about can Christians be oppressed, possessed, whatever. The only biblical context is called demonization. 
whether in you, out of you, around you, holding on to your earlobe, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's called demonization in the biblical sense. And, and uh, uh, I think Gresham has a good thing on that. In his, uh, Basically means being exercised by a demon, not owned by, exercised so by, influenced by. For your mental capacity yeah. or for your physical, it doesn't kind of matter. Yep. But um, the point I was trying to get to was that um, it can be hard to just cast something out if the person is sort of unawares. And so that's where there is, I think, a repentance component. Sometimes people need to come to the reality that, hey, I, you know, when the kid who was being thrown in the fire was being thrown in the fire, he may not even have been very cognizant, but I think he probably perceived there was an issue because here he is involuntarily being thrown into the fire. Yeah. So there's a willingness for him in his own sort of spirit man to be delivered. But when you have people who are quote-unquote demonized, but they're not, they don't recognize it or the manifestation Sometimes I just think some people need to be brought to that understanding. Yes. But that's that's difficult because then you're like, well, what are you trying to do, brainwash somebody and convince them that they're demonized? <laughs> no. I want them to be in agreement yeah. with the fact that this thing needs to go. Because how can a demon be sent out if the house does not agree that it even exists? Right. So it gets complicated. Yeah, yeah. A lot I, of people that are in that state think that that demon is a part of their personality or their exactly. or their sexual It's just who I am. And yeah. that's why, especially in America, personality, personality disorder, certain mm -hmm. mental illnesses, mm -hmm. all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You look at it biblically, we know this is demonization, but how do you convince that uh, to people who are in our Western culture today? Yeah. We're, it's just a disease. It's not... No. We'll, 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 we'll talk about clearly yeah. we'll, we'll talk about some some of all of that. Uh, what I'm after here is is that we, we um, keeping the basics basics, if we understand the truth, all this other stuff comes into play. Where, where I think that we can tend to get lost is when we get lost down the corridor of the complex. And forget the simplicity that's in Christ. And so when we watch how the Master does it, um, and, and then and then we understand. Um, in comparing the spiritual with the natural, oftentimes, you know, I compare it to, to say if you're doing any kind of health counseling and you meet someone who's a heavy drinker and a heavy smoker and, and they have all kinds of health issues, well, it is low-hanging fruit. Stop smoking, stop drinking. And then their life just gets worse, and then it gets better. And then after they're off of the, the known offender for a while, then you could start fine-tuning. Well, what are you eating? But you don't start with, well, I think you're gluten intolerant, you know, and the guy's smoking like a chimney. That's silly, right? Anyhow. So this unclean spirit comes out, and it convulses the man, and he's crying out with a loud voice. I want you to see the same scene from Luke chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. See that? It's just, it's just showboating. He not, he's not injuring this person at all. Now, this is not to say demons can't injure. They can. Uh, you know, if you know anybody who... who there are all kinds of uh, psychological ailments that I am... 100% convinced are demonically driven. Uh, people who are into cutting, uh, self-injury, all this kind of thing, there, there's a demonic problem. And you can send them to counselors all day long, and they may 
close the door by deciding to think sanely, but ultimately it's, it's a demon wrecking havoc on someone's body. But in this case, it, it didn't do him any harm. And there are several others of these in the Gospels. You can find them. Here we are in verse 27. And then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. I love this verse. I love this verse because um, as, a, as a former Bible worshiper and intellectual Christian, doctrine for me was always in the realm of thought pattern. If I had the right belief, I was a right Christian. didn't quite matter what I did, so long as I knew how many angels they were and and how the Godhead all laid up, and what was in the New Testament and the Old Testament, and could cite chapter and verse, I was an intellectually okay Christian, and quite frankly, that's all that mattered, because that's doctrine, right? No. <laughs> well, it's, it's very confusing on many fronts. I mean, all these people that believe in Christ but don't believe the right doctrines, how are they supposed to be saved? Yeah, you know? it's, 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 it, it gets nutsy. Yeah. Well, well doctrines, doctrine goes well beyond a, a mental construct. Doctrine has influence on how you live. And, and so the fact that not only does he teach with authority, he turns to a demon and says, be quiet and get out. And the demon does. And they're like, we hadn't seen this. What new doctrine is this? Where'd this kid come from? Right? I love this verse. Well, that was the demonstration. I mean, you preach and teach. Yeah. But, but, but they, they, the they, they, the, the crowd, his contemporaries said, that's teaching. And this is where I think as, as primarily inheritors of a Greek presupposition versus a Hebraic one, we always view teaching as instruction, like we're doing right now, versus when the two came and found Jesus after the baptism, and he said, Master, you know, we'd like to know you. Well, come see where I'm living. You know, let's go walk down the road a little bit. That's teaching. Field trip. Field trip. You know, let's, let's do this thing together. You know, let's... let's instead of, you know, teach me how to cook. Let's read the cookbook together. Let's get in the kitchen. Practical application. Practical app. That's, that's doctrine, right? So here's the thing. What was so new about commanding unclean spirits and them obeying them? What was new about that? Had these people not even, had they read their Bible? Hadn't they seen this before? So what is so new about commanding unclean spirits and them obeying him? Let me tell you. Everything, absolutely everything about that was brand spanking new. That was like, what was that? What was that? Right? So I'm going to endeavor to try to bring that home to you a little bit, okay? Let's talk about, hadn't these people read their Bible? So, just a quick discussion about Old Testament deliverance. Casting out of demons in the Old Testament. First of all, you're not going to find it. It's just not there. You know what you did with someone who had a familiar spirit? You stoned them. And if they were king and he couldn't do that, then you played heart music yeah. and hope they calm down. You didn't sit down with somebody and say, hmm, do you have any occult items in your house? You went into their house and said, hmm, you have occult items. Burn the house. Deuteronomy 18, verse 10. 
There shall, be, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer, or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God shall drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. You know, why should the living consult the dead? So, I could probably do a good half hour off the cuff on just those verses. But again, the evil spirit realm, the evil spirit realm, they have information to spiritual information. They like to show that. They like to sell that. They like to use that. So much of what you'll read in the Old Testament regarding uh, demons and regarding the demonic is don't worship them. Don't sacrifice your children to them. Don't get involved in occult practices. So if, if you've led someone to Christ or if you know a fellow Christian and they're dabbling in divination of any sort, uh, you know, horoscopes or uh, Ouija boards or, you know, this kind of a thing, divination type practices, uh, water witching. I mean, water witching still goes on. I mean, wells... I know people in, in, in northwest Arkansas were still finding wells through, through um, water witching. If you're not familiar with water witching, is the person who's the sensitive. This would be the person who has, uh, has a connection with the spirit, walks around with a piece of wood or something like that, and, and then walks the ground, and then when the wood dips, it's like, okay, dig here, here's the well, okay? Uh, now, people who, uh, there, there are, and, and this is where, Alternative medicine and the occult share a big fuzzy gray line mm -hmm. where there are some um, alternative medicine approaches that are veneered or whitewashed with some sort of a quasi-scientific or rational explanation, and they are just bold-faced divination. So just be careful, okay? <clears throat> God prohibits it. God prohibits it. The only other thing I'll say on this is that um, I, was, uh, I was taught in my early Christian life that it, uh, in soul sleep. And so since it was soul sleep, any medium or any necromancer wasn't talking to a demon, wasn't talking to a departed spirit of man. It, they were channeling a demon pretending to be that man. Scripture does not back that up. Mm -hmm. And God, why would God prohibit the impossible? You know, if God said, if God said, thou shalt not walk on water, then walking on water would be a common thing someone should be able to do. You follow what I'm saying? You know, so what God says, don't talk to dead people. Uh, you got to assume talking to dead people is possible, right? Uh, the witch of Endor, who has a familiar spirit, is proof positive of that. You read that record when Saul contacts Samuel the narrative leaves no indication that they're talking to a demon. The narrative, on, on the plain face of it, is she's talking to Samuel. Okay? Um, that used to really rack my, my theology. Okay? Uh, right. Um, the bottom line is, and one of the reasons is, God's a just God. And God put humans in a body. And unless he authorizes the out-of-body visitation, and God has... Elijah, Moses, okay? 
he allows these things to transpire, but they're under his direction. But God's justice system is, is that you will be judged for everything you have done in your body. And because history is so wrapped and intertwined in everything that's going on, there has to be a start and finish to what you have done in the day of judgment. That's my understanding of it, okay? So when you start pulling people out of the grave and they start, it just, you know, not that God can't keep track of that kind of stuff, but he's like, no, time's done. I got them out of here for a reason. You don't get to go back in there and dip in the well, right? Anyhow, anyhow, occult practices. If you've led someone to Christ and, and they have been and are currently involved with or are toying with occult practices, tell them to stop it. Tell them to repent. Okay, so there, there are a lot of obvious uh, doors that we're just not going to go. I'm going to go over four primary doorways that, that, that build strongholds in people's lives. But there's more of them. But, you know, these are kind of like, this is like the smoker, the heavy smoker. You know, you're going to do nutritional counseling with a heavy smoker. You're not going to talk about don't drink soda. You're going to say, quit smoking. Come see me in a month. You know, it's ridiculous to do anything else. You're a drug addict. Get off the drug, then come see me. So if someone's involved in the occult, it doesn't mean they can't be delivered. They certainly can. But for God's sake, don't go back to the, to the seance. Right? Makes sense? Don't go to your tarot card reading. I burned my tarot cards that got sick. Got, got really, yeah. yeah. All right. The flames were shooting out the sides of the cards. So we, <laughs> so we talked about Saul's dilemma. Uh, uh, Alan brought up, you know, have someone play the harp. And, and this is an interesting dynamic in terms of keeping a sound mind. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 14. Here's another, here's another verse that just really, until, I, until I, I decided to read it for what it said, I, I just had to twist my theology around it to make it fit what I believed was true instead of just reading what was true. Verse 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. In my, in my early Christian days, that was just like a complete figure of speech. God's good. He would never do that. That, that shows limited vision on my sight that, that a good God couldn't torment somebody with a demon. God allowed that to happen. That couldn't have been God. No, God sent this demon to torment Saul, period. <laughs> I don't, no, I can't read the Bible, okay? I'll show you. <laughs> um, and now it's real simple. Saul went and saw a witch. And God says, you want to talk to unclean spirits? You can have an unclean spirit. Because God is just. His justice is talionic. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Now that's Yahweh's justice system. His mercy overrides it. But his scales are always balanced. An evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now, let's read this now. Matthew 18. This is out of the master's mouth. Verse 32. Now, you remember this parable, you know? Guy, guy owes like a quadrillion dollars. You know, the king's going to sell his wife and kids. And he's like, oh, have mercy on me. King forgives the debt. He turns around. Someone owes him like 10 bucks. 
He chokes him, throws him in prison. You know, I mean, no mercy whatsoever. The king brings him up and says, What's wrong with you, man? What's wrong with you? Verse 32. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Look at verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness grants authority not only for the devil to mess with your life, but under God's direction for demons to torment you. Period. That's the gospel according to Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> okay? Um, it's not a trifling thing. You know, the prayer that Jesus taught us, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. There's a reason why that's there. Right? That's, I mean, that prayer, that practice liberates life. That's my favorite part of the Bible because, you know, to me... I mean, God's mercy and forgiveness is a great gift, but to be able to repent Amen. is a great gift. Amen. Now, look at, uh, let's go back to 1 Samuel 16 and, and verse, verse 15. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you, seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre, and when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So here's an acknowledgement of the power of music and, and what it can do. Um, verse 23 says that whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon him, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the harmful spirit departed from him. So David's anointed playing, if you want to call it that, um, <clears throat> put Saul's mind in a state that didn't allow the demon to mess with him. Okay? But if someone is determined to think wickedly, if someone is determined to have their mind in the wrong place, it doesn't matter what worship music you're playing. You know, worship music can help, if you decide to be worshipful. But if, if you're in this other place um, and you're bound in sin, look at verse 19. So this is why I call it partial relief. So long as David's playing, he's okay, but then sometimes not even then. 1 Samuel 19 and verse 8. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with great blows that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand, and David was playing on the lyre. And uh, where did I, I just got lost here for a second. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul so that he struck the spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. His, you know, he he hears he hears the women singing. You know, David's, Saul's killed a thousand, and David's killed his ten thousands, and he has a problem with that. He knows of Saul, of, of David and Jonathan's friendship. Saul's got a problem with that. 
We know from, from earlier record that Saul exhibited mass insecurity, almost paranoia. And so now, when David's playing the same music, Saul is opting to try to kill him anyway. And he throws... And the wonder to me is David comes back and... So they must have just thought he was crazy, or they must have known what was going on, but it's like, well, he's the king. I'll come and play. Oh, dodge the spear. Didn't like that song. Let me do another one. <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird. Anyhow... That's the thing. See, when you want to make a home for them, they get to stay. And if man decides he's going to be sinful, man decides he's going to be murderous, man's going to be murderous. So God just got David out of the way. Okay? Um, 1 Samuel 16, well, it is the only case, the only case of demonic relief in the entire Old Testament. What new doctrine is this? You read from Genesis through Malachi and you find one record of one harp player who gives one king temporary relief from a tormenting spirit. Everybody else is stoned or burned. Jesus shows up. He says, shut up, get out. It's a new day. <laughs> Here come the king. Here come the king. Here come the king. Here. Right? There's a new sheriff in town. That's right. I like that. Jesus sharing in, uh, in Capernaum. Not Capernaum. Nazareth. His hometown. Luke 4, uh, verses 18 and 19. This is out of the King James Version. And he reads out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Here we go. Preach deliverance to the captives. Note how he preached it. He set them free. Mm-hmm. He didn't just say you can be free. He set them free. And recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Bruising is symbolic of iniquity. Bruising is the bleed you can't see. You see it up on the skin, you feel the hurty, but it's not like a cut. Remember, he was bruised for what? Our iniquities. Right? By his stripes we were healed, but he was bruised for our iniquities. And then to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and you put it up, you said, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ear. What new doctrine is this, man? This guy shows up on the scene. Listen. The New Te- you have one example in the Old Testament of temporary relief, and the New Testament opens up with an explosion of demonic expulsion. Jesus shows up on the scene, and it's like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I mean, he's cleaning out. Now, we focus on him cleaning the temple, but this was bigger. Oh, it was big, big. Now, lest you think that Jews of his day were not cognizant of the evil spirit realm, <laughs> lest you think that Jews of his day didn't endeavor to deal with the demonic realm and that others around didn't try to deal with the demonic realm. They did. They just didn't do it like Jesus did, with a word and authority. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share with you from the, from the InterVarsity Press. Um, is that he, not only did Jesus cast out demons, he did it differently than his contemporaries. So this is from the InterVarsity Press Bible background commentary on this section here in Mark. Okay, So with regard to verses 23 and 24, the IDP says, Demons 
also sometimes called unclean spirits in, in the Book of Jubilees, were often associated with magic, and magicians tried to subdue other spiritual forces by invoking their names. If the demon here is trying to subdue Jesus in this way, I know who you are, um, it was used to subdue spiritual powers in magical texts, that, that, that phrase, I know who you are. The thing that disturbs me about this, like I'm trying to make my way through a deliverance book, and, and I'm like six months on this little book here, and I just, I, I have a hard time with it. I'm like, every page is a fight. But it, it's, it's, it's just this. this. Now, I'm not saying this minister isn't effective, but his entire approach is one, assuming the individual has a multiplicity of demons. Two, talking to the demon so the demon tells him his name. And three, commanding the demon out by name. What are you doing? Deliverance or magic? So if they can get you into fear, then there's what it, the idea about I know who you are that says I have something about you, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's that accusative thing coming on, right? It right. Is a, it is a snare mm-hmm. for fear, and so it's pretty interesting to think <clears throat> that the demon would try to play fear on Jesus. No wonder he didn't waste time with. He's like, shut up, go away. get out. Because you're not pulling me into fear. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in Jesus' mouth. No. But when you look at the phrase, I know who you are, you have to wonder, what is the motivation of that particular phrase? Well, I mean, what, what, is, what, what, yeah, what, did, what, what, what was the devil's ploy? Well, if you are the son of God, so it's, 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 it's cast you know, out. yeah, yeah, I got dirt on you, or you're not really who you think you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just you, all. once you break that faith. Yeah. And Jesus could have said, I know who I am. Yeah, oh, yeah. I am. Right. right. So um, here's the commentary goes on, verses 25 through 27. Although exorcist also occasionally uses fr- use phrases like come out of so-and-so, they use the phrases as part of elaborate magical incantations. I'm of the opinion that deliverance sessions need not be elaborate mm-hmm. at all. I believe in the power of Jesus. <laughs> okay? If it's going to come out, it's going to come out. And if, and if I command that demon out in the name of Jesus and it's in, then you just want to dance with it. I'm done. You know, you want to be possessed or demonized? You know, have fun, pal. You want to be free? Get free. Okay? Um, I, and I don't mean that in any kind of like, I, don't, I, I have compassion. You know I mean? I, I haven't encountered. I have not and I don't consider myself to be a deliverance minister, as in that's my primary line, right? Okay? I think that all of us as New Testament saints are deliverance ministers. I think if you're going to preach the gospel, it's incumbent upon you to cast out demons, period. End of story. Um, that said, I, I really just haven't had an instance where I've commanded a demon gone and it decided to stay around. And you, and you have, but you do have the problem of it's going to go away, and Scripture says it's going to if it's going to not find the place, and it's going to come back. I was asking. We're going to deal with that. Okay, because I was asking yeah. somebody about the, the story about Paul and casting out of the girl, the demon. The, yeah. Uh, and what do you do with that? I mean, because the girl could be subject to read demonization, but in that case, Paul did what he had to do because she was being a. Right, set her free. Right. So 
the two main, the, check this out, the two main methods of, if you haven't read it already, the two main, for those of you on audio, the two main methods of expelling demons were revolting or scaring the demon out, putting smelly root uh, uh, up the possessed person's nose and hope the demons would not stand it. Now, it, you know, we, we kind of laugh, but I'm thinking of, of um, you know, First Nations, uh, you know, sage sweat houses and real astringent type smells and stuff, trying to get spiritually clean. You know, these, these kinds of native, um, not just in America, but in other places, these practices of dealing with the demonic, right? Having to get, and, and this is typical of, of the occult way of approaching the, the spirit realm. It goes through the flesh to the spirit, not from the spirit out of the flesh. So the, the occult way is to get something physical and try to shove it from the flesh out versus the spirit way, a word, that's spirit and life, to knock a spirit and push it out of the flesh, okay? And then invoking the name of a higher spirit to get rid of the lower one. Okay, now we could be said to be guilty of that because we have the highest name above all name, the name of Jesus, Right? And it, so long as you're not trying to use it as a magical incantation. It's not a magic word. It's, he's your master. It's not magic. He's your master. Right? So when you're using his authority, do so in that, in that power and authority, in that faith, in that belief. So you see how dramatically different Jesus is. Not only is he doing something that um, just wasn't done, it, it, he's doing it in a way that they weren't doing it. And, and it was happening. Like people, you know, it wasn't like, Okay, yeah, the guy was sitting there, and we prayed, and we said some words, and he looked better. No, this guy jumps up in the middle of the meeting. He's shouting. Jesus says, be quiet and come out. The guy falls down on the ground, and he comes up, and he's okay. Something happened, right? Something happened. So, Lacey and I were having a little discussion about this recently. We were talking about it, and, uh, you know, in the United States... Uh, no, I'm trying to like figure out how to. You know, we're. You go off this side, and okay. show up on That's this side. It. Got it. Okay. okay. There we go. We're we're a first world nation, right. civilized, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. She said, you know, and, and when they're ministering in Thailand, she said, their people there they have no problem with uh, being demon-possessed or uh, knowing that there are demons. Or I mean, that's mm-hmm. just that's that's part life. of their... Yeah, yeah, it is. So when you walk in authority and command the demon, they go, they get it. They understand mm-hmm. it. So deliverance and to accept Christ mm-hmm. for them is a whole lot easier. Yeah, here. And I know when, we went to, to, when I went to Africa, that's one thing yeah. that they told us. Uh, they said, you know, don't be surprised if you... You know, you tell something to go in Jesus' name, and then offer the person, you know, the, you know, accept Christ and all that. That they do it just like that. So they don't have inhibitions like we do here in the U.S. They're they don't have like, all these all these mental strongholds. No. You know, we have to sit down with someone to convince them. First of all, there is a devil. You know, you go to nations where they understand that evil spirit forces are at work. You have a freer hand. And here, you even have to convince Christians that the devil is real. It's crazy. Uh-huh. You know, he's got, he's got half his work done just in the mental construct, right? Yeah. Well, they desperately need the deliverance. We've got pl- uh, plan B and C oh. and D. Oh, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Luke 4, 36. This, I love this. This is kind of like, this is Luke's version of the Mark verse, you know, what new doctrine is this? And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? 
What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and lo and behold, they come out. <laughs> he commands them, they come out. I, you know, you, listen, you can, play, you can play them out with music. You can, you can reset someone's nutrition so they can think the same thoughts and keep them out. You can get people um, away from loneliness and all kinds of things that, that get them enamored with demonic oppression. And get, you can do all those things. They're not as efficient. They take a lot of time. And you could just command them, and they will come out. Period. And again, I'm trying to focus on the simplicity that's in Christ, okay? I'm not negating that sometimes it could be a thorny issue. My thing is, is that you have two primary thorny issues in the Gospels, and much of deliverance ministry that I've been exposed to has made grandstands on the two odd cases and, and done a brush on the simple case. Be quiet, get out. Just get out. I will mention, Abel, you mentioned the, the, the kid that was being thrown in the fire and the father was having a faith problem and, and the disciples couldn't, couldn't cast the demon out. Right. And and so that's the one record that that I know of where the disciples were having a problem kicking a demon out. And Jesus didn't come in and say, oh, good for you for having a long prayer meeting. You know, I'm so proud of you for sticking it out there and really wrestling that demon. And he didn't do that. Now, he did say that this type doesn't come out, but by prayer and fasting. I tend to think he meant prayer and fasting before you go to kick demons out, not let's all sit down and pray and fast so we can kick a demon out. Okay. You know, you don't show up and then to the battle line and go, oh, I think I need to clean my M16 out, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I mean... What? Oh, arrows? Oh, well, yeah, here, well, hold on. Let me, uh, let me just break this thing down and clean it. No, you know? Yeah. Anyhow. Like a prayed up, fasted up life? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So, so I'm just saying that you know he didn't he didn't turn around to them and 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 pat them on the back and say good job sticking it out, fellas. No, he was like, how long how long I got to put up with this? I told you guys kick him out, kick it out. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. What new doctrine is this? What new doctrine is this? Acts 10 verse 36. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you will know that there is not a listing of the ministry of casting out demons, like you won't read that, and the ministry of casting out demons. Um, You will not read about the manifestation of the spirit of casting out demons. And the reason why you won't read about that is because it's not. (laughs) There's not a manifestation of casting out demons. There's not a gift of casting out demons. Okay? Speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is the revelatory grace by which the Holy Spirit informs you of what spirits are at play and what actions you should take. Now, these things, 
It calls it the manifestation, singular, of the Spirit and gives you nine aspects of it. Just like it calls it the fruit of the Spirit, singular, and gives you nine aspects of it. These things are intertwined, okay? Um, faith, miracles, and healing. Now, gifts of healings is mentioned as a ministry, but note the connection between healing and deliverance. And so not every time someone's sick is it because of virus. Sometimes people have a virus because they have a demon. Okay? Sometimes people are sick because they're demonized. And the disease, the actual cause of the disease, the cancer, the, uh, you know, um, arthritis, uh, uh, lupus, I, I, I think, and I don't want to over-categorize here, but just about, the entire host of autoimmune diseases is a body that hates itself. And, and so when you see a body fighting against itself in hatred, you got to say, okay, what else is going on? When I've ministered and, and you know, people who've, it, it's been one of these where I've laid hands on and seen like, a, like um, this scaling on their bones and, and know, I'm like feeling the arthritis in my own body and the question that came out by word of knowledge was, are you dealing with bitterness in your life? Oh, yes. What kind? You know, um, my father abused me. My husband abused my, my girls. My, you know, did you forgive them? Why would I? Okay. You know, and then walk through all that and then have them delivered. Right? So, um, healing all that were oppressed. The, the casting out demons is referred to in scripture as a miracle. So not all miracles are walking on water. Walking on water certainly is one. But casting out a demon is classified in Scripture as a miracle and can involve healing. That's where those manifestations are. So the way this plays out is in prayer and fasting, you're in communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And because of the grace of discerning of spirits, you can, you can know spiritually, oh, that person's born again. That person needs Jesus. That person has a demonic. There's something in this room that's not a person. It's personality, right? And then what needs to be done with that, right? What words need to be said? This is why it's not a formula. But the simplest formula for casting a demon out is, in the name of Jesus, get out. <laughs> and to say it with authority and power, okay? No, it's got to, if you say it, it's got to happen. It's going to. You've got to know, you got to know that it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing it. I'm walking, you know. So if, if, if Barney Fife's in front of me, I may run over him before the bullet gets in the gun, right? But you got you got you got a a cop standing there who knows what their authority is. You're gonna it doesn't take much a whistle, oh, stop traffic. You know, one human being stopping a whole bunch of steel that could kill him just puts a hand up. Why? Authority, right? Part of the reason about fasting and prayer too is he was. You guys found out what happens when you don't fast and pray and you try to do the work. And we used to talk about, you know, uh, being prayed up. But then, what, you know, those demons are going to want to go somewhere. And uh, what have we got by, if we were innocent bystanders, you know, mm -hmm. standing around. So we try to be aware of that. But I'm not sure how much you can really do that. It takes my thought back to the idea of telling the things to go to hell. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if you're wrong, it can't hurt. <laughs> I, I think they, they're really afraid of being told to go to the bottom. Yeah. 
absolutely, and, and, and rightly and, so. And if you're if you tell them to go there and go into the bottomless pit, they have to go. But once they go there, they can't get out. Where did Jesus tell him to go? Um, so, there's one verse where Jesus says, enter him no more. So if you want to go with just plain and easy, and I'm not, you know, I don't, I, you want to, you, the Holy Spirit says throw him in the pit, throw him in the pit. Holy Spirit says throw him in hell, throw him in the hell. Do what the Holy Spirit says. In terms of scripture, um, aside from get out, Jesus said don't come back in. In one instance, at least. Or you threw it into her pigs or whatever. Yeah, right, right. Well, that was kind of the premise of my earlier question, because as a totally ignorant person, not even knowing what a word of knowledge or wisdom was, I just had that thought come in my head, and it worked. So my yeah. question is exactly what you're saying. Like, you don't see Jesus telling yeah. him to do that. No, so but that was instruction. never known what to do with that. Yeah, I, I, I believe, Abel, I believe that was instruction from the Lord through the Holy Spirit to you in that right. moment. Absolutely. <laughs> Because, because he had come in and saved you, and this thing was 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 trying to usurp authority. He's like, "Oh, fine. You want to play? Go to hell." Oh, no, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not gonna tangle with you. He doesn't mess around with these things. You got to get the attitude, man. Just get the attitude. You specifically mentioned the herd of pigs, but I would like to point out that that resulted from having a conversation with the demon, and they brought up the pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like. I'd rather take a pig than nothing. That, that tells you. That tells you how messed up these and things are. And then he drowned them anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just. I think it's like. It's like one of the greatest practical jokes in scripture ever. Oh, you want the pigs? Okay, you can have the pigs. That and they were sacrificial animals for pagans. I mean, all the way around, it's just kind of like a. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's just. It is such a. It is such a Jesus thing. <laughs> hey guys, check this out. <laughs> it's also, um, as far as a, a case study, it's also a great one for like taking down a list of all the names of the demons so you can cast them all out. Uh, yeah. oh, wait, we'll just give you all a nickname. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're all just bleeding. So, we'll kick you all out with one word. It's, yeah. yeah, we're we're going to talk about it. Exercise in futility. Yeah, yeah. First John three verse seven. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Again, we're talking about low-hanging fruit. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about four primary doorways of the demonic into your life. But I didn't mention occult practices on that grid. And I'm not mentioning sin on that grid. Those are doves. That's the smoking and drinking in the spirit realm, right? You know, if you're involved in sin, you're dancing with a demon. If you have a habitual sin, at some point in time, if you don't stop it, you're going to have to acknowledge that you're just allowing yourself to be exercised by a demon. You need to repent and cast it out and stop sinning. Again, what did Jesus do? Did he sit down with the woman caught in adultery? I mean, the scripture mentioned um, here, you know, I have this halfway house for adulterous women. I'd like you to come by for five or six sessions. We'll talk about a new trade you can do, maybe some vocation for your abusive oh. husband. Um, let's talk about your childhood. How was your father? No. He said, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you. Go and don't sin. How easy does this have to be? 
I just I, I just wonder if he just sits there sometimes and looks at all of our marvelous programs and goes, what? Why aren't you people just living life? Spend your whole day in some I don't know. Let's let's go from the church program to the convention seminar, and we'll all feel jazzed up because we got the motivational talk from the guy on stage with the big team behind him. I'm preaching. <laughs> well, it's always amazed me. I mean, you get somebody like Moody or Stanley or 50, 60, 70 years of ministry at the Billy Graham Association, you name them. Jesus was here for three years. He changed the world. Flipped the world upside okay? down. Yeah, yeah. Hello. He was you know. very efficient. Look. <laughs> Stop. But Lord, I'm a sinner. Okay. Stop sinning. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's just, you know, first John, he came here to destroy. You think if you're going to walk away from sin, he's not cooperating with you? Not only does he get you, he gets to destroy him. I mean, I'm telling you, it's just got to jazz him. As much as it jazzed David to take off Goliath's head, I just got to think that Jesus just loves wrecking the evil spirit realm. Just loves it. Love seeing people free. Love seeing people healed. Love seeing people liberated. You know? Love seeing demons incarcerated. Or drowning or flopping around in the pit or whatever. You know? It's okay. Go rest easy in the dark for a while. I'll pull you out so I can throw you in the lake and burn forever. I'll see you in a minute. And we're to love what you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Just have some fun. Have some fun. Alright? He has given us the authority to do the same. Amen? Amen? Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I have given you, when the 70 came back, and they're like, Lord, even the, even the, the spirits are subject to us by your name. He says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. The spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I believe this caution um, is very practical because I think that there's just a lot of joy in kicking demons out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's exuberating stuff. Jesus, when you read it, the Greek, when they come back and he says, Jesus rejoiced and he said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The, the, the rejoiced verb means he was jumping up and down. He was leaping up and down. I mean, he was ecstatic, excited. He took these 70 guys and said, go do the deal. Now, he took the 70 guys, and unlike in Matthew 10 where he said, you know, um, healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead, he said, go preach the gospel. And they came back, and they said, the spirits are subject to us, which tells me they understood that preaching the gospel meant you cook spirits out. Anyhow, that didn't cost any extra, right? All right, so let's talk about these, these highly advertised four windows of... Actually, are we talking about that yet? We're not. Let's talk about demonic oppression first. Let's look at real biblical examples of demonic oppression in the New Testament. The most startling scene, right? The demoniac. Mark chapter 5, verses 8 through 15. It's also in Luke. In the Gadarenes, he comes out, you know... Rah, rah, rah. Okay, first of all, Understand 
that over 5,000 demons couldn't hold one man back who wanted to get to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Couldn't kill him, couldn't drown him, couldn't keep him from crawling his naked cut way to Christ. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, I, I want to read this because this is, like the current guy I'm reading now, he just grandstands on this. Like, this is his model for deliverance. All of a sudden, everyone has a prince demon. we got to know the prince demon's name, have a conversation, tell him to gather up all his troops and take his kingdom down. I'm like, please. Oh, I like this. I haven't read this in the message for a while. My name is Mob. I'm a writing mob. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mob. <laughs> so, Mark 5, talk about trying to intimidate. You know, you're talking to, to a, a Judean in the, in the Decapolis region that you actually are a legion. You know, I take the name of the oppressive authority that's, mm-hmm. that's over your country. I mean, it's all, it's just all subterfuge and intimidation tactics, right? Okay, I'm going to back up in verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. One demon is speaking. And the reason this demon said that is because Jesus said, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So this was different for Jesus. This man runs out. Jesus says, come out of the man. And this guy says, I know who you are. Don't torment me. Now, you have to understand that the Son of God and His incarnation laid aside divine attributes, and took upon him the form of a servant. And I know it is theologically challenging to understand that Jesus of Nazareth was not all-knowing. Jesus of Nazareth was not all-powerful. He got tired. Okay? He slept. He got hungry. So, he put himself in a subservient position to the Holy Spirit of God and walk by the Spirit in the same way he expects us to. He encountered something new. This was novel. He commanded a demon out, and the demon talked back. Huh? What's your name? He asks. Singular, unique instance in Scripture. Nothing to build a church on, nor an entire deliverance ministry on. This was entirely different. Okay? He says, what's your name? And he replies, my name is Legion, for we are many. So it's 5,600 Roman soldiers, 10 centuries, I think, or 10 cohorts. Um, I forget how many centurions and 120 plus 120 auxiliary troops, special troops, cavalry, whatever the case may be. So 5,720 called. You know, we're a big contingent in here. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out, entered the pig, 
and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank of the sea, and they drowned, okay? I, which I think is hilarious. But... Especially when you see the pig swim. <laughs> Jesus swim. didn't bother with doing a deliverance session with over 5,000 demons. Yeah. Okay? We're going to be here all night, guys. He, <laughs> he spoke to the Spirit... And the guy in charge manifested. And Jesus just talked to the guy in charge and said, get out, and they all got out. So to that degree, if you happen to meet someone with an infestation, it's just as simple as commanding one out. Just tell them to go. Okay? You don't have to get into a conversation with the demon, aside from which they're liars anyway. Yeah, you don't know what they're... You know, I, I am blah, 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 blah. What do I care what you call yourself? I don't care. Get out. <laughs> so again, this, this, is, this is the rare case, the demoniac, right? Only instance he ever, he ever asks the demon his name. Aside from Satan, the only time he actually dialogues with them, most of the time he's telling them to be quiet and get out. And in short, it's, a, it's an unusual and rare occurrence. Then we have the, the word on Mary Magdalene from whom he cast out seven demons. Again, this is the, aside from the demoniac, <laughs> uh, Mary Magdalene is, is the only other person I know of that is shown with multiple demons. And she's delivered, right? That's, that's Luke 8, 1 through 18. So it's interesting, though, uh, talking about Mary Magdalene, and then the record in, in Luke 11, verses 24 through 26, Jesus says this, you know, you, you don't go into a, a house to take, you know, take over a house unless you bind the strong man, right? And so he says this, well, I got to read it. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a case of not replacing the strong man. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've cleaned house, everything's set up in order, but there's not a new, you know, no one's behaving as the strong man. So the, yeah. the evil spirit that went out and is not in a body now gets, you know, hey, let's go have a party. I know a house we can hang out in. Yeah. Okay. So is that what happened to Mary Magdalene before she met Jesus? We don't know, but she had seven demons. But we do know she believed in him. Yeah, we do so, know she believed in him and she got was, delivered. That was the displacement spirit, right. the spirit of faith. Yep. Or yep. She got spirit. delivered. The message is a good... What does the message say? When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old heart. And on return, it finds the person swept and dusted, but vacant. Uh-huh. And then it runs out and rounds up seven other spirits, dirtier than itself, and they all move in, whooping it up. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So, um, look, there, there, are, there are instances of, of multiple symptoms with a singular cause. So, in Matthew 12, 22, you have, you have somebody who is, who is blind and mute. One spirit, but it's causing muteness and blindness. <clears throat> in Mark 9, verses 25 through 27, you have one spirit, but it's causing muteness and deafness. Okay? Those 
are the exceptions. The preponderance is of singular deliverance. Or even just a general mention, he cast out demons and people were healed. In other words, God is not really interested in giving the evil spirit realm any more ink than he needs to. That's all you need to know. We can conjecture all we want. We can come up with all the programs and, and backflips that we got to do. You know, all, all, all the pamphlets, everything. But God's real simple. They're wicked. You have authority. Cast them out. Boom. Right? Word. So, word. Demonic strongholds. Here we go. The sins of the fathers. This is transmitted through iniquity. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children and the children's children unto, you know, X amount of generations. Exodus 20, verses 5 through 6 and, and 34, 7. Unto the fourth generation, I think it was something like that. And then showing mercy unto a thousand generations, right? So, With the caveat of Ezekiel 18, which it, is if the son repents. Right, the son repents. And, and, and the, the son's not punished for the father's sins. He's visited with iniquity. It's a, it's a distinction. And, and you need to understand that we're talking about iniquity. Again, iniquity is the bruise. And the bruise is the hidden bleeder. Iniquity is the propensity to sin. My dad was an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic kind of crap. Right? Pardon the crap phrase. I said crap three times there. Oh, my goodness. Stop that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curses. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Curses. Uh, understand curses have power because they're God's mechanism of punishment. Curses are God's mechanism of punishment. Genesis 3, verses 14 through 19, and Genesis 12, 3. Blessed are those who bless you, he says to Abram, and cursed are those who curse you. So a curse is when God proclaims judgment on one and grants authority to evil spirits to carry it out. Sometimes he gives that authority over to holy, you know, holy angels uh, to execute. But that's what a curse is, okay? Which we've been redeemed from. Right. So I'm going to get into the deliverance things here. But these are, the, these are fright. After you've done all the simple stuff, you know, um, sinning, uh, occultic practices, now you get into the fine-tune. These are some areas you might want to examine, right? Is there a curse? Unforgiveness, we talked about this, Matthew 18, 32-35, and then ungodly beliefs, which I didn't give a scripture reference for because if it's in scripture, it's not ungodly. <laughs> but these, these are things like, curses can take the thing like, I'm so stupid. I hate the way I look, you know, where you curse yourself. Um, or when you say evil words against others, then the curse comes back because it doesn't land on the other person. Ungodly beliefs are like, God hates me. Nobody loves me. Um, things like this. I'm alone. No one knows what I feel. These are all ungodly beliefs. I must do good for God to bless me. That's an ungodly belief. Okay? So, here are the divine solutions. For the sins of the fathers, for the iniquity. Isaiah uh, 53, I wrote 50, but it's Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. He bled for those things. Not just our sin when we actually do it, but even for our propensity to do so. With regard to curses, Galatians 13, 3, 13 and 14, he became a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He was crucified and became a curse for us, 
that the blessings of Abraham might come to us. Amen? Blessed are those who blessed you. Right? Unforgiveness. This is really simple. Walk in forgiveness. Walk in forgiveness. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. Forgive our debtors. Ephesians 4.31, you know, forgive those for Christ's sake. For, for God has forgiven you. Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32. And then, here's the thing. Remember, Abel said he's, he's, he gets born again, the demon comes out, and then the demon's tangling with him, and he got a thought that said, go to hell. And he told the demon to go to hell, and the devil went to hell. Ungodly belief. We need to renew our minds and receive the mind of Christ. Most Christians are really well trained in the fact that they need to renew their mind to Scripture, and they need to. They need to be full of the words of Christ. But they don't understand that not only with that, Jesus is with them, instructing them. They have the mind of Christ in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? You know, we don't have the mind of the Lord to tell him what to do, but we have the mind of Christ. And the and the unspoken thought there is, so he may instruct us. That was Jesus saying, Abel, tell it to go to hell. Right? There are situations in life you're not going to find a scripture for. You got a savior for. Right. And, and he'll tell you, uh, Ephesians 4, um, verse 21. Let all, um, no, that's 31, 21. Assuming you've heard about him, you know, this is Christ. I'll back up to verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. I think King James says taught by him. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus teaches us. He sent the Holy Spirit to teach us about himself. And so we have divine solutions for the problem. Jesus, the blood of Jesus was spilled for all our sins, all our iniquities. He was a curse, so I don't care where the curse was. I don't care how many sins of the fathers and generations back there were. Jesus answered. It's just, it's, it's, Jesus is the answer, okay? Walk in forgiveness. Why? Because Jesus forgave us. Renew our minds. How? To the, to the Word of God and to the truth Christ fills our minds with. You, you know, you got to know that when you're telling yourself a lie, the Holy Spirit's like, eh. you probably feel crappy when you're telling yourself a lie because the Holy Spirit's going, eh, that's not going to work, right? You know, um, even a hard truth feels good. You know, when, when, you, when you ache and you're, and you're rubbing a bruise, you got to rub a bruise away and it hurts, but it's kind of like, hey, that's a good hurt, you know? That's a good thing, right? So even a hard truth hurts good, but a lie, a lie just sucks energy out. Mm. You know, a lie is a lie. So. But, well, it's not only the truth that sets us free, but whom the Lord loves, he, you know, he corrects. Mm-hmm. Amen. So it's the correction that feels good. I mean, to yeah. me it does. Yeah. Well, they rod and they staff, they comfort me. Amen. Amen. I rod and I staff, they comfort me. Yep. Yep. On his way off the planet, Jesus said, Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.